The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. So I am back with, I believe, the first solo of the year. So um, this should be a good one. I got a ton of questions from you guys. And so I'm just really, really excited to dive into it all. So I am I have open the things that you guys have asked me about. And so what you can expect from this episode is essentially I will talk a lot about organization, aka like my productivity tips, how I organize my days slash weeks. Then I can talk about self-confidence in love, friendships, business, maintaining long distance friendships, making new friends. Let's see what else were the popular questions and a lot about fashion and financing. Okay, cool. So this is our finances. This is this is this will be an interesting episode. So let's just start with all things organization. Okay, so this was a very popular question. And it's something that comes up a lot when I ask you guys to send in your goals or like just even what happens in my DMs is a lot of you guys reaching out asking me for organization tips. So essentially, I guess the basics is that you have to live in your calendar, okay? So if it isn't in my calendar, it doesn't exist. So I put everything from obviously like my meetings and work obligations all the way to my workouts, my appointments, and my social plans in my calendar. So even if I'm having dinner with a friend or going for a walk with a friend, that has to be in my calendar because if it's not in there, I like I I can't I can't do it because I need to understand at the end of every day how my next day is structured and I try to batch my days as much as I can. So for example, on days that are heavy meeting days, those are days that I also like to do my podcast because I'm already in the habit of talking and kind of like exerting myself socially. So it doesn't make sense to kind of go between that to then doing head down work. It's very distracting and it's just not very efficient. So I try to block it like on days where I don't have that many meetings, but I still have a few. I'll still do it so that it's blocked all together. So say between like two to five, I have all my meetings or I don't know, like, uh, uh, yeah, like two to five or like, I don't know, three to five, whatever it is. But basically, I want to block them all together so that I still have time remaining at some point of the day for a few hours for me to do my head down work time. That's on days that are like more 50-50. Before Array became, you know, at the scale that it is right now, which obviously as a company grows, you just have more obligations. You have to speak to more team members. There's just you can't get around meetings at a certain point. But before I got to this point, what I would do, I would try to batch all my meetings in like two days of the week. 
this is impossible anymore, unfortunately, because something or the other needs my attention on most days of the week. But the next best thing for me is to make sure that all of those calls and meetings are batched so that they're all within a, you know, a few hour window all in a row so that I still have time to myself. Mondays are a day that I try to keep lighter for meetings. Again, this isn't always possible and I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Like it's just the nature of my work is calls for me to be a little bit more flexible. But Mondays, I like to keep it lighter on meetings because it just allows me to get a lot of head down work done at the start of the week. That being said, though, if there are days where we really need to push things out and it's more collaborative, then of course, I'll take meetings as well. Now, in terms of the specifics for my day, a lot of people asked how I have time to do, you know, my self-care things and content creation and work, like array work, right? So I think what I need to make clear here to begin with is that in terms of content creation, right? Like for Instagram, I just batch that over the weekend. So I'm not even doing anything. And if you go look at my videos on Reels or whatever, it's all B-roll. So it's all B-roll with text written on it. So it's very easy for me to produce. And I just do that over the weekend. It takes me like maybe an hour to do content for like the whole week. It's, you know, I'll post like maybe two to three reels. And then like if I need to do a photo dump, like that's so easy. This is not my job. You know what I mean? Like Instagram isn't my job. It's something that I do as like a creative release. So That's kind of how I structure it. So I love creating content for TikTok. And now that's a little bit different because it's me talking to the camera. So now I'm just going to take you through how I fit this all in. So I wake up every day at 6.30. Then I journal, okay? And I have my coffee while journaling. And I do, after that, a 30-minute walk. While I go on my walk, I will listen to a podcast or a book. I like to listen to a podcast quite often because I really like to understand how good interviewers ask questions. So podcasting, like anything else, it's an art, right? And it's something that you have to constantly learn about and like iterate on. So of course, I get my practice in while doing interviews with people, but it's also really good for me to learn from other interviewers what the the kind of questions that resonate with their audience. So that's the first thing about listening to podcasts. And the second is obviously I love learning from other podcasts as well. Okay, so when I get home from my walk, it's about like 8.15 a.m. And at that point, I sit down for 30 minutes to create content on TikTok. And that's like for both creating and then posting as well. So it doesn't take me very long. I literally speak to the camera for five minutes and I have two videos done. So or like maybe 10 minutes and I have two videos done depending on the length of the video. So it's like it's very easy And I think for any business owners who enjoy social media as like a fun thing that they want to do on the side or they want to deliver value to their community through social media, you have to pick the kind of social media that is the most interesting to you that you actually really enjoy creating. And number two, that doesn't take up a ton of time from your day, because let's be real, if you know, if you have a business that's your primary focus and that's not social media, you don't necessarily want social media to be your full focus. Does that make sense? Like you want it to be as easy and fun as possible. And so that's the style of content that I do because it's easy for me. I really enjoy it and it's sustainable. So that's kind of what you have to think about 
when it's like how you want to navigate social media around whatever business you are running. Of course, this is totally different if you are a full-time creator or you're an influencer plus business owner. That all changes. But for me, I am a business owner and like entrepreneur first. And then I have my social media as a secondary focus as something that I just enjoy doing and like that I like to add value to people's lives with. So outside of that self-care is my workout. And I work out four to five times during the week at the gym. And my workout is scheduled at 5 p.m. every single day, no matter what. And the reason I do this is because my workout is a meeting with myself and it's a meeting for my mental health. And I just cannot sacrifice on that. So no matter what, I'm at the gym every day at 5 p.m. and I'm ready to work out. Of course, sometimes if something pulls me, maybe I'm 10 minutes late. But outside of that, like that is my that is my tried and true time. And I don't miss it ever. If you're someone who is struggling to make time for your workouts, you have to kind of shift your focus and realize that it's once you have your health figured out and once you prioritize your fitness, I feel like that's the first piece of the puzzle and everything else sort of falls into place. Because with that, you have more energy, you have better mental clarity and you're just able to accomplish a lot more because you're in a better state of mind. So that's why I prioritize that part of my day because I know that overall it makes me more productive. So that's number one. Number two, if you put it in your calendar and it's a meeting with yourself, you can't skip it. So you just you just have to make sure that it's in your calendar and it's a non-negotiable. So even if you're working out at home and you don't have a trainer, I have a trainer. So if I miss that session, there's also a $50 fee. So I, I can't do that. But even if it's just you, right? And this is before I used to have a trainer. I used to go to the gym at a specific time that was within my calendar, the same way that it is today. Like it was at X time, I would show up to the gym and I wouldn't miss that because it's blocked on my calendar. What the hell else am I going to do with my time? You know, so that's what I would say when it comes to the gym and then all my other self-care appointments, whether that is my facials, my nails, what else like massages, literally anything else that I get done is usually scheduled on a Sunday, which is my parasympathetic day. And I've done an episode where I talk about my parasympathetic day. So I'll put that in the show notes as well so that you can go listen to it. But basically, my parasympathetic day is the day that I prioritize intentional rest. I don't have any social plans. I'm not doing anything too strenuous. And so that's the day that I like to reserve for self-care appointments as well. So for example, two Sundays ago, I got my nails done. Last Sunday, I believe it was I got a facial this Sunday, I have a massage appointment. And so you you get it, right? Like all my self-care appointments happen on a Sunday. Something that you know is important to me is constantly iterating on my wellness routine and thinking of easy ways that I can implement wellness practices like more seamlessly into my lifestyle. So I have been so thrilled to find the Bond Charge infrared sauna blanket. So Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. 
founded by science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adopt ancestral ways of living in our modern day world. So they have a huge and extensive range of premium wellness products to help us sleep better, perform better, have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones. Honestly, the list goes on. And as I said, one of my favorite products from Bond Charge is their infrared sauna blanket. I love an infrared sauna blanket because of the benefits it has. It helps you detoxify your body. It helps you burn more calories while you're sitting there and sweating. And it also gives you an endorphin rush. So sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise. So you burn calories while you relax. You can actually burn up to 600 calories in just one session. Sweating also helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins. And infrared heat elevates your heart rate whilst releasing endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric after each session. So I like to use this while watching TV after dinner for about like 20 to 40 minutes, depending on how much time I have. I sit there, I sweat, and then I go take a warm shower, get into bed, and I have the best sleep. Bond Charge heats up super quickly. It's really easy to clean. So you just wipe it down with a damp cloth. It has low EMFs compared to other brands and it's sleek and lightweight. So it's just really easy to store and clean up and set up. Bond Charge has an offer for you guys. But before I even get into that, know that they ship worldwide in rapid time. They offer free shipping on every sauna blanket with no hidden costs. They offer easy returns and exchanges. So you have a 30-day trial period and a 12-month warranty. So this is a really risk-free experience. So what you're going to do is go to bondcharge.com slash dreambigger and use code dreambigger to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash dreambigger and use code Coupon code DREAMBIGGER to save 15%. Enjoy. If healthy eating and just overall wellness is a priority for you, I think the biggest thing is making it as seamless as possible, which is why I'm really excited that Green Chef is a partner on the podcast. So I'm just going to tell you guys like a real life thing that happened just this past week to me. So it has been an insane week. I mean, I have been in meetings day to night. It's been just outrageous. And so I think it was on Tuesday night where I was so unprepared when it came to food. And so I had my Green Chef order and I just took it out of the fridge and it took me 15 minutes to make this Mediterranean plate with this kale salad and chicken. And it was all so healthy. It like literally things that I would make for myself if I had had the time and had the groceries available. And all I did, like I tweaked the recipe a little bit. So I cooked the kale instead of having it raw. But that's the nice thing about Green Chef that you are able to tweak the recipes, but it does give you like a really good base. You can either follow it exactly or add your own spin to it. So Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. It makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preference. So it's very customizable. It fits essentially into whatever your dietary needs are, which is something that I 
really appreciate. Each week, you choose from 80-plus flavor-packed options, including new calorie-smart recipes and wellness bundles. You can, as I said, really easily customize your meals to suit your lifestyle preferences like keto, plant-based, Mediterranean, gut and brain health, calorie-smart, quick and easy, protein-packed, and gluten-free. And you can mix and match your meals and flavors from different dietary preferences like keto, Mediterranean, and more. You can savor Green Chef's seasonally-inspired recipes where we celebrate peak ingredients, flavors, and freshness of every season. Green Chef has an offer for you guys. Go to greenchef.com slash 60dreambigger and use code 60dreambigger to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60dreambigger and use code 60dreambigger to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. I'm telling you guys, I'm so impressed with them. They've made my life so much easier. And I think that they will make your life way easier too. Enjoy. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Advice for a new brand on how to build success if you don't have followers. I think that you don't necessarily need a ton of followers to have success in your business. You just need to know how to build a community around your business. So here's what I would do if I had a thousand followers today or 500 followers or name whatever like measly small amount of followers that you want, whatever you have. And if I were if I had that, like say I had 500 or 1000 followers and today I were to start Ray from scratch, this is what I would do. I would prior to launch share what I was doing and tap into whatever community you have. Okay, that can be your mom and, you know, your uncle and your best friend from college. It doesn't matter. Whoever is in your following base, they are still engaged people who are looking at what you're doing. So I would make my profile public and that's kind of what I would do. Start showing people that you're working on something, okay? And then when you are having your first brand photo shoot or something to do, which is like kind of like a public moment, prior to launch still, I would then direct all of those people to go follow me on my brand account. Okay. So being like, I'm doing a photo shoot today. If you want to see behind the scenes, go follow whatever brand. Okay. Like whatever brand your brand is. Okay. And then that way, those people then go and follow you. Then obviously from there, you build momentum by interacting with whatever audience members you have, making sure you're creating really value add content. Also, another really good method is going and interacting with, I guess, your ideal community members, like go comment on people's posts and their reels. And, you know, hopefully they also find your brand. And that's kind of how you get started. Another thing is DMing people to gift them, saying you like their content that you want to just gift them product. That's like another really good example of a way to get people to follow you or whatever. But essentially, you just want to put yourself out there from a brand standpoint so that people want to follow you and they they want to cheer you on and be a part of your community. So I would say like those are the top things. 
And of course, like as I said, value add content is really important with brands. I think uh, an insight that I have is that people will follow brands if they feel like the brand has a personality. Okay, you don't just want to follow a brand because it's like pretty and cute. You know, you want to follow a brand that can either deliver some sort of entertainment or some value in your life and that it's a brand that you can get behind. So however much you can show behind the scenes content, the better it is, the more value you can provide. Like, for example, for us, we are a wellness brand. And so we're always trying to provide also value around like the science behind things you know, just things that people can add to their lives. And then we do a lot of team content as well. But, you know, we have a very dynamic, fun team that's not always necessary. But whatever behind the scenes you can show, um, I find is very advantageous. So that's what I would say about that. Okay, let's move on to self-confidence. I think that self-confidence is essentially the promises you keep to yourself. Okay. So if you, if you make a promise to yourself and you're able to keep it over and over again, I feel like it allows you to build confidence within yourself. That's number one. So if, for example, you are someone who wants to start going to the gym, if you then actually keep that promise to yourself and create a habit, I feel like that's kind of what you have within yourself. You know, you know that you are this person that you want to be. And so that confidence sort of develops. The other thing is, of course, like, you know, doing any work that's required for you to know, I guess, for you to be self-aware and understand where your insecurities are, where they stem from and just work through them. You know, we all have insecurities for different reasons and we just have to be self-aware enough to understand why we have them and how to how to work in order to get rid of them or like work through them, you know, because a lot of the reasons or a lot of the the things that have driven our insecurities, whatever they are, they've happened in the past and yet they're kind of shaping who we are today. So we have to kind of work around that and like through that, either through like therapy or whatever different modalities you have available to you to work through that. It just helps you shape yourself into a better person. And then there's like tangible things like, I don't know, affirmations, if that's your thing. I've heard people say like speaking to yourself in the mirror, you know, if that works for you, then go for it. For me personally, it's been a lot of number one, keeping promises to myself. And number two, just really getting self-aware and understanding why I have certain insecurities and what I can do to dispel that in terms of how I view myself, if that makes sense. So this is work that I'm constantly doing all the time. For example, if I have a certain goal and I'm not able to hit it, it's a lot of inner work to figure out why that is. Are there any inbuilt belief systems that somehow are blocking me from getting there? And yeah, the other thing is, I think also if you spend time with yourself you develop a really beautiful relationship with yourself. So one of the most tangible tips that I have there is actually to travel solo. So I used to do this a lot when I was in my 20s. I've gone on so many trips alone and spent so much time by myself. And, you know, I've had to get comfortable talking to strangers. I've had to get comfortable with my own thoughts. I've had to get comfortable people watching. I've had to get comfortable with the idea of people maybe thinking that I'm some weirdo sitting alone at a restaurant, but I don't really care. I don't care about any of that because I enjoy my own company. So I think like something like that is also 
something that develops self-confidence and you don't have to go necessarily travel on your own if you don't want to or if that's something that you're so far away from. Go to a cafe on your own. Go eat lunch on your own somewhere. Like you have to be comfortable with yourself. So I feel like that also builds confidence because you you just, I don't know, you fall in love with who you are as a person and you're very comfortable, comfortable on your own. And I think that once you have that portion of things figured out, that kind of bleeds into all of your relationships, whether that's friendships or relationships or whatever it is. And the other thing when it comes to, I think, confidence in relationships and with your friends, number one is obviously making sure that whatever relationships you have in your life are not toxic. Like you should be surrounding yourself with people who make you feel really good about yourself. And if your social circle and your, you know, partner are actually haters, like they're people who are mean to you and you come out of those interactions and you feel like shit about yourself. Maybe you need to have a little talk with yourself, like really look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and ask yourself why you have these relationships and what you can do to change those relationships. Maybe you need to cut those toxic people out. Maybe you need to crowd out those friendships with new ones, but you need to take action in order to surround yourself with people who are actually your cheerleaders. Because if you're with a bunch of energy vampires, how are you ever supposed to feel confident? You're not because these are people who who like don't like you and they're mean to you. And that's just that's just bad energy. We, we don't want that in our lives. So that's number one. Ensure that you're like you have to really take inventory of who is in your social circle and who are your like near and dear ones and make sure that they are actually people who care about you and treat you in a really, really nice way and that you give that back to the world as well. Right. So that's super, super important. And then the other thing is, if you do have like, you know, good, healthy relationships, what are you putting into them, right? Are you showing up as the best possible partner to who you're dating or married to or seeing or whatever it is? For Nish and I, like I've talked about this loads. It's about being really conscious about what the person needs at that given time of day, right? So I remember giving this example, the last solo that I did about Nish and I, but it's so relevant even right now where you know, a few days ago, Nish was just really busy doing something in the business that I couldn't do. And he was happy to do like whatever chores there are to do. But I was like, if you need time to work on that part of the business, which is beneficial to us both, because I certainly can't do it, then let me pick up in the part where I actually am capable of doing so. Does that make sense? Like, yes, 50-50 for all things in life, but at the same time, you have to be able to also pick up where your partner maybe isn't able to because of whatever given circumstance. And just being honest with yourself about the fact that, OK, are both of you in a relationship really giving to each other? Are you putting each other on a high priority list? And it's like a very reciprocal thing. Like, I know that if I get busy with work, Nish will pick up in other areas of our lives. Like, he's not just going to abandon me and have me drown. That's just not how our relationship works. And it should be the same with friendships as well, I feel like, you know? So being there for your friends, making sure that they are a priority. Like, even if you're busy, if you've not seen them in a while, still like making the effort to get dressed and go out for dinner or checking in on them in a group text, which actually someone else asked about long distance friendships. I know that this is hard. My three best friends in the world do not live in the same city as I do. And these are like my actual best friends from birth. <laughs> but you know, we have a group chat and we'll just send funny things to each other or like check in with each other. So 
it, it doesn't always have to be high touch. It can be like low touch. But the point is just to let people know that you're there and, you know, making an effort. And then, of course, if you're able to visit each other, do that. It doesn't have to be like every month. You know, I see my best friends a couple of times a year. And, you know, when we're together, it's just the best time ever. But even throughout, we're just like texting each other to let each other know that, you know, we're on each other's minds, if that makes sense. And, you know, it's the same thing with my family. So my brothers both live, like my whole family, no one lives in LA. Okay. And so last year, my mom and I, like my mom was upset with me. Okay. And this doesn't really happen because I don't know, like I'm on really good terms with my entire family. No one gets mad at each other. Like we just kind of like, we're cool. But one time she got upset with me and I couldn't understand why. And she was like, you know, you call me like maybe once every two weeks and I understand you're busy with work, but you don't really know what's happening in my life. And I was like, well, shit, she's actually right. And I felt really, really badly about myself for having neglected that. And the reason is sometimes, you know, you take your own family for granted. But at the same time, I think that was like my wake up call that, okay, my mom, even though we love each other unconditionally, she still needs to know what's happening in my life not necessarily on like a day-to-day basis, but just overarchingly. And so after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to actually make an effort to call my family whenever I can just to like say what's up and just like give them little updates. So I don't know, like making the effort to call your loved ones every now and then is I think really helpful as well. So I would say that about long distance friendships and relationships. I am fresh out of an interview with Kaylee and Danielle from ClearStem, and I'm really excited for the episode to go live because you are going to learn so much. So I heard about ClearStem a few years ago and then started to use a few of their products, and I'm so impressed with them because they are the first skincare line that combines all three categories of anti-acne, anti-aging, and clean, meaning free of hormone disruptors and pore clogging fillers. So this really is the highest quality skincare line when it comes to something that's specifically acne fighting and like not pore clogging. And also Danielle and Kaylee are true masters of this area. So the products have been formulated by the acne guru, Danielle, who you'll hear on the podcast. And she has had nearly 10 years treating patients as a licensed clinical esthetician at San Diego Acne Clinic. And the co-founder is Kaylee Christina, who is a certified holistic nutritionist. So this really is a duo that thinks about skin from the inside out, which is so important. If you've dealt with breakouts, you know that typical acne products dry out and damage your skin and excessive dryness can cause premature aging. At the same time, traditional anti-aging products are often full of thick, pore-clogging ingredients, which contribute to more breakouts in people who are acne prone. They've kind of come up with a solution for both of these things with effective anti-aging and anti-acne products. So ClearStem's top-selling product is the Mind Body Skin Hormonal Acne Supplement, which is the best natural alternative 
alternative to prescription acne treatments such as Accutane and Spironolactone. They also launched their innovative Acne Lab Test, which is helping thousands of people get to the root cause of their acne through comprehensive lab testing and lifestyle-based recommendations, which you guys know I am such a fan of personalized health, and so I love that they have this. ClearStem has an offer for you guys. Visit clearstemskincare.com and use code DREAMBIGGER at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's DREAMBIGGER for 20% off your first purchase on clearstemskincare.com. Enjoy. Every day, we're in a silent battle with our devices, devices that are slowing and stealthily draining us. So our biology is changing to meet the demands of the information age. But why and what can we do about it? If you're interested in finding the answers to these questions and more, you have to listen to the Body Electric podcast on NPR. One of the most interesting episodes in this podcast series that I heard was about walking and how much walking can help with everything from productivity to mood. So in this episode, the host worked with Columbia Medical School to kind of conduct an experiment of her deciding to sit in the lab all day and work and not step outside versus going out and taking these frequent breaks. I mean, the results were pretty crazy. And you have to go listen to the episode because it proves to us why doing small things like walking has such an impact on our everyday life. Body Electric is an interactive six-part series that investigates how our relationship with technology is impacting our health. So, for example, if we're sitting in front of our laptops and, you know, working for hour upon hour instead of going outside and like maybe taking a little break for a walk, you can even take a meeting while walking. It just has an impact on you. And so it's really cool to understand exactly what the mechanism is. So from nearsightedness and mass psychogenic illnesses to type 2 diabetes rates doubling in young people, Body Electric is partnering with Columbia Medical School to find out exactly why. With the mounting pressures of today's society, Body Electric really strives to help lighten your load mentally and physically. Listen to Body Electric now on TED Radio Hour from NPR, wherever you get your podcast. This is such a good series, which I know you guys are really going to love. Enjoy. Finding clarity around starting a business. So I would say this. When it comes to starting a business, at your core, you need to be someone who is able to identify problems and question why they haven't been solved. So I have a running list on my notes on my phone of businesses that I want to start. Not that I'm going to go start them, but I just cannot for the life of me figure out why certain things haven't been solved for. And it was really the same thing about Array. You know, it wasn't that I saw this like great space for me to make a ton of money. That's really not what it was. It was that I was a frustrated consumer and couldn't understand why my need hadn't been solved. And so I was like, well, no one else has done it. Or if someone has, I don't know about it. And so that means that they've not done a good enough job. And so let me go solve for this. And, you know, it it worked out, thankfully, pretty well. And so I think a lot of the times when we think of a business idea, we think, oh, but that must have already been done. Or maybe someone's already doing that and I'm not going to be able to succeed. Throw that kind of thinking out the window, because if it if you don't have the solution in front of you as a consumer, that means that whoever is working on it hasn't done a good enough job. And so that's your that's your chance to solve the problem that you are frustrated with. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope I hope it does. 
thoughts on moving to L.A. as a new founder? Do you think location is important to build a brand? So here's what I would say. I think you can start your brand wherever you are just to have proof of concept. But of course, if you live in a city where there's the biggest chance of kind of getting consumers or there's a bigger community of other like-minded brands, of course, you're going to go further, okay? Because a lot of what happens in your business is also about who you know. There's really no surprise that so many tech founders all live in Silicon Valley. That's not that's not some like random coincidence. It's because if you are in an area where there's a lot of like-minded people, you can do things together, you can learn from each other, you can collaborate. It's it's just a lot easier to succeed when you are in a community versus in isolation. So that's what I'll say if I were to start a business again or say, like, let's go back four years ago when I started Array, I wouldn't change anything. I think it's great that I started the business in Toronto, but was it necessary for us to move when we did? Yeah, I think it was really advantageous. Do I think it's like it would be a make or break it thing? No, absolutely not. If you don't have the opportunity to move, don't move, right? I mean, you can really succeed from anywhere, but I'm talking about things that may kind of accelerate your business, if you will. I think in that sense, location is important. So yeah. Uh, is it is it an absolute necessity? No. Is it advantageous? Yes. Okay, let's see. Okay, there's a few questions here about friendships as an adult and networking. So both of these are things that I can answer together. So the methodology for networking and friendships is really the same. Okay, so if you're wanting to make new friends or meet new people, you need to start putting yourself in more like like in more scenarios where you can meet those people. So for example, if I want to make new friends, then and I'm a specific type of person, right? I'm someone who who values wellness. So I would probably go to like, you know, workout classes or my local cafe and be really open. So I speak to people or like something comes up like, I don't know, things like that happen. If you have open energy, you're just able to meet people like actually one of my good friends in L.A., Annabelle, shout out. We were doing a pop up at the Alfreds on Melrose just outside. We had like a little popsicle truck and or a popsicle stand right right outside the Alfreds on Melrose. And we were doing that over the weekend. And Sundays are a farmer's market day in West Hollywood. And so we had people come stop by and talk to us. And Annabelle, she stopped and she was like, hi, like I've heard of your brand. And then we just got to talking and we've become really good friends. And that was all because I don't know, I was just in a place and she was really open. And so I think if you're open and you speak to people, you'll you'll find people, you'll find your friends. And the other thing is that if you do really enjoy somebody's company, if they invite you to something, just go. You'll meet other cool people. You'll meet other friends that way. You need like a few friends and then they introduce you to their friends. That's kind of how I've met a lot of my friends here in LA where I'm like thinking back to some of my like most cherished friendships. Actually, two of my really good friends I met at a lunch that I was invited to and I just said yes to it. And then, you know, I met two of my like closest friends in LA from that. So, you know, you can see that it's just about saying yes to more things. You just meet more people that way and put yourself in scenarios that match your personality. So if you're someone who's, you know, interested in health and wellness and you don't like to spend your 
I don't know, Thursday nights at a bar, maybe don't go to the bar to make new friends on a Thursday. You know what I mean? Like you need to kind of do the activities that you would naturally do and just have open energy in order to meet those sorts of people. So that's what I would say. And then in terms of networking, I think it's a lot of the same concepts, right? Like going to like saying yes to more things, being really open when you meet people and then following up and like, you know, going out for coffee or lunch or whatever with those people that you meet and then expanding from there. For me, networking has been a lot of saying yes. It's been a lot of, yeah, I guess just like being open, approaching people, being open to talking to them. Also, I think Instagram is a really good opportunity to meet new people that way, too, whereby, you know, if you think someone is cool or you have a lot of mutual friends, I don't think it's a bad thing to slide into someone's DMs. Obviously, have things in common with them. Like, don't just go over to, like, some random person who you've never met. That's kind of, like, weird. But if you have things in mutual common with them and, you know, you it just makes sense, then definitely reach out. I think that it's it's a really great thing to do. I think that I'm going to end this episode talking about fashion and luxury purchases. So um, a question that I got a few times over is how I shop smart and plan for luxury purchases. So the number one thing is once you get paid, pay yourself first. So what I mean by that is put money into your investments or savings or if you need to pay off debt Do that first before you start shopping or purchasing things that are like fun purchases, right? Because if you have already put money into, I'm just going to talk about myself, into my investments, right? So that's like my number one thing is I invest my money first um, into like the stock market or whatever before I go and start buying things. Like the money that I have left over is what I use for shopping. But the first, my first, first priority is making sure all my bills are paid and that my investment accounts are funded. That's it. And that was the biggest shift that I made when I decided that I was really going to go hard on making sure I was a financially very, very responsible and just a person who prioritized that. So that's number one. With luxury purchases, if it's something that's super expensive and not something that, you know, you can afford necessarily with like one paycheck, you have to save for it just like everything else. So for our 10 year anniversary, I got Nish something really expensive. It was our 10 year anniversary. And so I really wanted to go all out and I saved for that. I put money aside like uh, however much for I think it was like five months before I knew I had to purchase this thing. And That's how I would plan for whatever your luxury purchase is. It could be a handbag. Just figure out how much you can put aside after you've um, paid off like all your bills and your investments and all your like, I guess, month to month expenses, whether that's rent or, you know, going out for dinners or whatever that is. So that's kind of how I would think of budgeting for your luxury purchases. And then in terms of fashion overall, I know that this is something that you guys really like for me to share slash talk about. And so I would say my philosophy around fashion, you guys, is very simple. It's very much basics. And I just mix and match everything. And I add things to my wardrobe that will kind of enhance things. So for example, I like to invest in things like belts and shoes and 
bags and, you know, jewelry. Like those are the things that I constantly add to my wardrobe to kind of make things pop. And then everything else is like a lot of basics. Like I I purchase things that I know I can style in 20 different ways. Okay. That's kind of the overarching rule that I have that can I wear this piece of clothing in a hundred, like 20 different ways, because that means I can do way more than that. And the other thing is, if I were you, what I would do is put money into higher quality pieces that you'll wear over and over again. And then if you want to experiment with a trend, then you go fast fashion. That's kind of how I do things. So for example, if I don't know, there's some new trend, which I don't know if I even like very much or or I guess like the longevity of the trend, I'm not going to go spend thousands of dollars on it. It just doesn't make any sense because I want to make sure that it works for me, that it's something that lasts season over season. And the trends that I experiment with are like small. It's not like I'm going to change my whole wardrobe because mob wife is in. You know what I mean? Like I'll just pick like small things to add into my wardrobe. Like I'm not, I'm not trend focused. I have a very specific style and I stick to that. And if there's trends happening. I try to inject it in the most um, seamless of ways. So that is my thoughts or that those are my thoughts on fashion. And obviously, if you guys have any like specific questions about fashion, like send that to me because I'm happy to do a full dedicated episode on all things fashion. But I would say like overarchingly, those are my two philosophies on fashion and luxury. All right, you guys. That is all that we have time for today. I hope you guys like this episode. And if you guys have any specific requests for solos that I should be doing, let me know. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday. So come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people. Learn and unlearn and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.